Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Biro. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I'm a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreasen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift talk show, blogtalkradio.com. Because of when my film was playing, I actually did get to see 
part of the Captain Underpants movie. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about both. But before I do that, let me just say that we want to, again, thank our sponsor, uh, Word Take, Words Take Flight Books, which is an absolutely fantastic publisher located up north in Nueva Jersey. And they are a publisher of many different kinds of books and novels that you can peruse at your, at your leisure. They also offer editing services and many other different kinds of services. And you can find out more about them by visiting www.wtfbooks.net. That's www.wtfbooks.net. But tonight, I am really happy. First of all, I hope many of you uh, joined us this morning on my Spanish language radio show. For those of you that don't know, I have a Spanish language radio show called Uniendo Corazones, which for those of you who are like, uh, Uniendo Corazones means basically bringing hearts together, uniting hearts. And it's, it's kind of like um, uh, well, modern day show, really. It's, it's, you know, we take in callers that want to give us their name and number and they look for, you know, someone to couple with. And it could be, it, it doesn't have to be romantic, okay? It could be um, friendly, it's just friendship or just, just hanging out. Maybe it's another person that I just want to hang out with. And I will say the majority of people that we get on that particular show range around the ages of very early 50s all the way up to, we've actually had a 90-year-old, believe it or not, call. And that guy was amazing. Like, I love that guy. He was so animated. He was so energetic. It was awesome. So, and if you want to know more about that program, and again, it's in it's in Spanish, you can go to um, WQBN's website. That's Super WQBN thirteen hundred AM, and just uh, we go ten AM to twelve PM Saturday mornings locally in Tampa at the dial thirteen hundred AM on your dial. But that's not what we're here about tonight, guys. We're here at the Graveyard Ship Talk Show, where a lot of stuff is going to happen. We're going to talk about, of course, our usual weird news of the day, weird news of the week, whatever, as I go through the many different things that happen during the week. And maybe I'll have time to play an interview. Maybe I won't. We'll have to see. But before I get to that, as you know very well, I've been talking about this for several episodes. We are going to be having our season finale coming up very, very soon. I don't have a date on that yet because we're, you know, we're still working out all the kinks in the system here. But what I can report is I am very, very pleased to report, very honored to report that we will be filming our season finale in the local historic Tampa theater. We are going to be interviewing a representative of the Tampa theater about their history, about the haunted history of the theater She'll be taking us around, you know, showing us the different areas that are supposedly filling with paranormal activity. Now, what, what's really interesting about this particular episode, a particular, this particular venue, is that they embrace their otherworldly residents. Now, you, you know, I've met a lot of people over the many years that I've done this show who have been haunted or have their houses or their buildings or their offices haunted. And very rarely would I ever encounter anyone who actually want to be haunted. Now, you know, some of you that have never had it happen, you might say, oh, man, no, I mean, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Yeah, that's because you've never had it happen to you before. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if you're in the middle of the night and you hear, you know, a door slam out of nowhere, I'm pretty sure that would startle you at the very least. And, you know, if you were in the kitchen and you see stuff flying around, yeah, that would probably not be a good thing. 
Now, I know some of you are, you know, that are not, they're in the mainstream, they're not in the whole paranormal thing. You're probably laughing. Oh, come on, Amy, that's not going to happen. Let me tell you something. I used to be a full-blown, absolute denier. I was a paranormal denier, right? <laughs> is that a word? I just made it up. If it is, then I just made it up. I was like, there's no way that these ghosts are, well, let me tell you something, my friends. I have seen them in action. And you might ask, some of you skeptics might ask, well, hold on a second, Emmy. Can you explain away some of that stuff? Can you explain them as, you know, like um, uh, natural stuff that happens? Well, quite frankly, some of the stuff can be. Like, you know, if something falls off the kitchen counter, well, you know, maybe it's condensation, or not a condensation, but, you know, that, 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 um, that thing that happens when you have, like, a wet surface, touching a wet surface, and it just kind of slides off, whatever you call that. Well, yeah, sure, that could happen. Well, what if there isn't that? What if that is not the case? What if it's in the middle of the counter and it slides off alone and falls? Nobody knows, right? There's no way to know how that happens. And, you know, I've spoken with a lot of our past guests about this. I've spoken with, you know, Nick Redfern about this. I've spoken with Brad Steiger with, I mean, good Lord. Uh, Bill Hall, who is an author of ours that we've interviewed about a year ago. Uh, in his book, The Haunted House Diaries, you know, you know, I talk about that book a lot. Just obviously, I'm a big fan of it. And if you haven't gotten it yet, please do. It is an absolutely page, just awesome page turner. The Haunted House Diaries, Bill Hall. Anyway, um, you know, we've discussed about how, you know, this phenomenon is. You know, it, I like to discuss things from a scientific point of view, right? Okay, so one of the things that that really, you know, just call out to me is if this isn't a, um, let's say that, you know, let's, let, let's talk about this for a second in the way that, how would you describe it scientifically? Well, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I, I know he's not a full-blown 100% scientist. I know he's mostly an entertainer that has a science background. And I'm, I'm sorry, I know many of you are probably upset by that, but it, it, it is true. I mean, I, no, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of his. And yes, I know he has a degree. But I'm talking about his main thing is he's kind of like the public persona of science. So he's not like, for example, I don't know, like Einstein that was not really necessarily primarily, notice I said primarily in the limelight as, hey, look at me, I'm a science guy. It just kind of happened like he, he discovered things and that propelled him. Now, Tyson has done that too, so he's actually starting – to make himself into that actual scientist title, which to me, he's always been that. But my point is, that's not all he's doing. That's not all he is. He's also and mainly a science entertainer, similar to Bill Nye, actually. But they know their stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, if you sat me in a room with either of them, I'm sure they, they could make me look like an idiot, which isn't that hard, right? 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 <laughs> okay, so anyway, getting back, getting back. So one of the things that Neil deGrasse Tyson has said, and even Bill Nye has said, is we there are so many things about the cosmos that we just do not know about. Okay, there's dark matter, there's black holes, there's, you know, supernovas, hypernovas, you know, the, the neutrinos, you know, there's, um, you know, the, the spectrum of each star is, is, I mean, that's baffling in itself. I mean, then, and you know, we only just discovered the fact that electricity exists around us and the electromagnetic fields exist around us in the past couple of centuries. So that's 
pretty recent. So, you know, it would be ignorant to say that we know everything there is to know about the world we live in and about the, especially about the universe we live in. Because quite frankly, guys, we don't. Now, I know, I don't know about you, but I kind of was wishing that, you know, when we do find other intelligent life out there, wouldn't it be cool if it was like Guardians of the Galaxy? I do have a feeling, though, that it probably won't be. I have a feeling it will be any like nothing we would ever consider life. Because we've found what we consider life in pretty much any possible setting that we didn't even think life could exist. I mean, we found it in volcanoes. We found it in, in a meteorite flying through space. I'm not kidding. This actually happened. Um, that, and it crashed in Nakla. And, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that province wrong in Africa. And it turned out that it was from Mars. And the, and the bacteria were from Earth. And, the reason, and if you're wondering, how the hell did that happen, Emmy? Well, I'll explain it to you very briefly. Basically, there was a period in Earth's history when a, an asteroid hit the Earth and chunks of Earth flew out, right? Well, and, you know, as things do in space, they orbit around the sun. And eventually, um, it turns out that the rock that hit Earth came from Mars because an asteroid hit Mars as well. And then rocks from Mars hit Earth. And then rocks from here, those rocks also went out, orbited around the sun, came back and hit, and then finally permanently landed back on Earth. And voila, we, we discovered it, and we ended up finding out that it was bacteria that was, um, you know, predominantly found here on Earth. Anyway, my point is, in hopefulness, is if we are, you know, finding out of all these different things, is it so difficult, is it so outlandish to say that maybe the paranormal, maybe ghosts aren't dead people per se, but maybe they are people that exist in a different type of reality or a different dimension. You know, a lot of times we discuss things like the Mandela effect. And there is a theory uh, with those that believe in the Mandela effect that it's, it's basically an alternate reality intersecting with our own. It's kind of like a parallel dimension living at the same time we are. And we just happen to sometimes kind of, you know, intersect. And then sometimes our reality becomes that reality or vice versa. Well, I tell you what, um, that particular, um, eh, oh my gosh, my mic, I keep touching. That's my problem. I have to stop touching the table. You know, that particular ideology is not very unusual to me. You know, I mean, the thought that maybe perhaps we have these parallel dimensions, that we have these, um, you know, realities that exist at the same time as we do. And then sometimes they just kind of trip over us. That seems plausible. I mean, you know, you know, we had, um, we know that the theory of relativity is real. You know, so Sir Walter Eddington discovered, you know, he proved that it was real. He was a British professor that, uh, you can look him up, Walter Eddington, okay? And we, we know that that's real, okay? And we also know that, you know, according to Dr. Michio Kaku, uh, who was a very, very famous scientist, modern-day scientist, he discovered that time travel is plausible. And they, they even recently sent a particle forward in time, or it was a forward in time. Yeah, I think it was forward in time, and it previously had never been done. So they actually, you know, and in fact, I, I believe I recorded it on this very program. They 
proved that time travel is possible. And if you think about it, well, how is that possible? Well, how can that even work? Well, again, it's with this whole concept of what kind of universe do we really live in? You know, do we do you believe in string theory? Do you believe in, you know, the M theory, the, the, the theory of, of the multiverse theory? You know, which is very, you know, how do we know? We don't even know how big the universe really is. All we do, all we can do is theorize it. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, the, um, the Oort cloud, which is the hypothetical, and I say that again, hypothetical, but potentially very real cloud that exists. And that's where all the meteorites and the asteroids and the comets come from. We've never seen it. No one has ever seen the Oort cloud, but John Oort, Johan Oort, I'm sorry again if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, he discovered it. He hypothesized that that's where comets come from. And the way that we made that hypothesis, that theory, into what we think of as hypothetical or theoretical fact is because we did, you know, the scientific method, we did tests, we did thought experiments, we did real experiments, and we thought, well, how else would we explain comets? How else would we explain where all these rocks and these things are coming from? So that, that kind of line of thinking, that kind of line of problem solving and thinking about, you know, theories is how we can think of all this stuff with ghosts. And, and, and maybe, well, aliens kind of crosses into the, another area. But with ghosts and stuff like that and hauntings, and, you know, why not? Why couldn't it be another dimension intersecting with our own? There was a... Um, an episode of the Twilight called Little Girl Lost. And I, I, you remember this fantastic. For those of you that don't, I'll, I'll sum it up very quickly. Basically, it was an episode of the Twilight Zone where this couple, this young couple was in their home. They had a little girl. And in the middle of the night, the little girl was crying for her mommy. And, you know, of course, what are you going to do? If the little girl cries for your mommy, you're going to go check, her, check on her, right? So I, I believe it was the, um, the father, I think it was the one that was, well, one of them. One of them went, no. Mentira. It was the it was the mother. The mother went to go find out where the girl was, and when she goes to her room, she doesn't see her anywhere, but she still hears her crying out. She looks on top of the bed. She looks underneath the bed. She looks inside. Everything. No child, but she can still hear her like she's literally right in front of her, but she can't see her or even touch her or anything. So you know, obviously in a frantic, she goes to see the her husband. Oh my God, dear, I you know I I can you know I can hear our daughter, but I don't see her. Blah blah. blah. You know, he's like, okay, okay, let's you know let's find out what's really going on here. He goes to the room, same thing happens, no child. You know, so then they're freaking out. They don't know what's going on. The little girl is freaking out, right? Well, what does he do? This is the part of the show that's a little bit, you know. He calls his friend who happens to be a, a, a physicist, right? So the physicist or something, he's something like that. So he comes over. And, and remember, this is a point uh, the, the, when this episode of The Twilight Zone came out, this was not a subject that was very popular, okay? It was, I, well, I shouldn't say it was very, it was kind of new-ish to the mainstream public. I mean, sure, it was it was very popular in its own niche group, you know, in its own little community, but when it came to the actual mainstream viewing audience, they didn't really understand a lot of the concepts that Rod Serling was propo- proposing in this show. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. So the friend, the guy, the, the husband, father, slash, whatever, friend, physicist, friend, eh, the physicist came over, and he talked to him. He told him what was going on. He immediately had this idea of what he thought was happening. 
So he went and, you know, he, he inspected everything, and he's, like, asking him, did you check underneath the bed? And he's, you know, feeling underneath the bed. He's feeling around. You guys are probably already aware of what's happening, right? Because the Simpsons, Simpsons did it. You know, they did their own little parody of it. Well, what ended up happening? The physicist had this theory that the little girl was trapped in what was called the fourth dimension. And then he started drawing lines on the walls, whatever, you know, to, you know, well, for our purpose, for the viewing phone. Well, you know, it's a look for. And it basically, fast forward, they ended up finding the little girl, but the father had to go into the fourth dimension. Now, what's interesting about the way that they showed the fourth dimension was, first of all, it was really, <laughs> it was really trippy, okay? I mean, you, you, you're going to be on weed. You want to be on weed watching that episode. Not that I have ever done that. I'm just saying if that's what's something you want to do. Um, and do it, by the way, legally, depending on where you live. Uh, so anyway, you know, they show the fourth dimension as this woo, really kooky place. And they, they show the, the dog. The dog is the one that ends up leading the little girl to, um, you know, the, the bedroom where they are, whatever. And, you know, whatever. So, but what's interesting about this is that he shows the fourth dimension as something very temporary. And, and that it's not static. So it could be in one area at one point and then move to another area at another point, right? So, and that's kind of what I, I and I'm sorry, I know this is a really long explanation, but that's kind of what I'm getting at. So, you know, you have, you know, if you're in this haunted area, right, and you're in this haunted house, so maybe at that particular moment, those entities or whatever they are, are trapped in that whatever it is, dimension for that period of time. Now, I will say this. I will say this. In the, um, in the show Coast to Coast, they actually had someone who constructed a device called, I think it was called a spirit phone or something like that, and they proposed that this phone could actually communicate with this spirit dimension. And that was one of the first times that this concept was you know, brought up, was actually thought of. So that's, all of these things kind of go together. They kind of, you know, um, co- combine, okay? And that's kind of what I, that's where I'm at with this, okay? And, and I kind of would love to see you guys' opinions. What do you think ghosts are? Do you think they really are the spirits of the deceased? Do you think that they are, like I do, like they're in, you know, trapped in another dimension and they just, you know, maybe they're not aware of it. Are they aware of us? Do you think spirits are aware of us as, you know, living beings, you know? Um, and, you know, some of you might think, well, hold on a second, I mean, because I know they're dead because I saw my relative. Well, l- let me ask you something. How do you know that's your relative that you're seeing? Maybe the spirit is using our mental energy. Now, hold on. Stay with me now. I know I don't usually go this far out, but just stay with me. Maybe whatever it is, whatever this, you know, interdimensional being is, is using the energy of our mind, and maybe they're pulling from our memories and and just kind of manifesting as that individual in their form. So, like, um, you know, you would, let's say, let's say that day you, you, started thinking about a deceased relative, okay, you, you know, and you suddenly have a visit from an interdimensional whatever, 
and it searches your memories because it obviously maybe doesn't want to startle you or who knows, I don't know. And it's trying to find a way to communicate with you. Well, it finds a way to communicate with you by pulling from something that you would know. So that would be your relative. And maybe, you know, if it doesn't get to you that way, if it doesn't get across to you that way through that communication, maybe it finds another way. Maybe it tries to knock over a cup or, or open or close the door or, you know, who knows? It could be a million bajillion reasons or a million bajillion, you know, explanations for why they do that. But I personally think that is very likely. That is a very likely reason, you know. So there you have it. You know, I, I, I think eventually what's going to happen is someone is going to discover this. They're going to discover this other dimension. It's going to be very scientific, and it's going to have a very scientific purpose and, and reason behind it. Because every time there has ever been something that we think is supernatural or spiritual or anything like that, it ends up that we discover what it really is. Or, and now, now, don't get me wrong. I still believe in the supernatural, of course. There's nothing that says that something scientific cannot be supernatural. My point is that we will discover the scientific uh, framework behind it, but it'll still be supernatural in nature. Now, from that, let's move on to the news, right? Now, speaking of scientific, what's in the news? Well, apparently there was water on Mars. Oh, and you know what? I'm sorry. Before I go any further, if you would like to comment on anything I'm saying, uh, since we aren't on bid chat right now, apparently they are completely uh, updating their servers. They will not be back online until sometime in June. So that remember I was telling you how many how much of a hard time I was having with them. Well, I apparently they I'm not the only one. So right now, as it is right now, I'm going to be on Facebook, and you know you can see me right now. I know many of you are watching me right now, which is fantastic. And, you know, if you want to comment on anything I'm doing, please do comment on the comments right down there. You know, I can see it right down there. Some of you have, some of you haven't, that's fine. Um, and, you know, share the video. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, whatever, what have you. Um, but anyway, um, I let me – actually, let me take a quick break. When I get back, I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about the news. But let me leave you with that, though. So apparently there was water on Mars for longer than we thought. And I will get to that right after this, and you're watching the Graveyard right here on blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard ship and on facebook.com slash Emmy the Shogun. You'll find me, Emilio Diaz. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming right back. We're just getting started right now. Graveyard ship. Make it there. Request special permission to dock with the station. 
Uh, Roger, Apollo, you are go for station dock. Welcome aboard, Shifties. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Broadcasting live on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift. Follow us at hashtag Show For our Twitter feed, stay punched in. We'll be back.
Broadcasting live from a war-torn battlefield. From atop a 200-foot-tall, last-of-its-kind woolly mammoth. Driving a bunch of drunk zombies on their way to an all-you-can-eat super flesh buffet. Teaching a cat how to speak fluent Klingon. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. And now, just finished from sucker-punching your country's ruthless dictator. Because... He's just that damn cool. Here's your illustrious host, Emmy. Well, 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 welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I want to apologize to our Facebook audience, by the way, who's watching. I know there was quite a bit of time that I wasn't saying anything. I just wanted to make sure that I actually could be heard saying anything at all because we had a lot of quick ins and outs in our show, and it doesn't usually happen. So, you know, what is, what, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? You know, I've got a home-based connection here in my home studio, and you get more than one person connected, which is fine. I don't have any problems with that, of course. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show, guys. We were talking about, you know, haunted stuff, and, and I was actually, I left you on a little bit of a, of a bender there. But before I go any further, by the way, if you guys want to call in, or if you want to comment on our Facebook feed, uh, which is facebook.com slash me.showgun. And uh, you can look at our my live feed there. And uh, please do share it, by the way. And, you know, comment if you want. Make, you know, leave a comment on anything that I'm talking about. And give me your opinion there. And uh, But if you want to call in and speak to me directly, you can do that. All you have to do is go to area code 347-237-5187. That's area code 347-237-5187. And that will connect you to our studio over here at the beautiful and very rarely ever messed up Blog Talk Radio servers. And for those of you that might be watching us via bid chat or from our bid chat audience, um, I'm sure you realize, I'm sure you notice that our bid chat servers are down. And they apparently they said that they'll be back online sometime in June. So we will see. We don't know. Okay, moving on. I left you hanging about some water on Mars, didn't I? Well, let's go back with that. So apparently there was water on Mars for a lot longer than we originally thought. And Mars, um, the, the lighter tone bedrock that surrounds the cracks and fissures in the surface, according to uh, recent reports, suggests that the red planet had liquid much longer than previously thought because it left behind halo-like rings of silica. The new finding is reported in a paper published recently in Geophysical Research Letters, which is a journal of the American Geophysical Union. One of the scientists of Los Alamos National Laboratory in the University of Copenhagen and lead author of the paper was quoted as saying, the concentration of silica is very high at the center lines of these halos. He was further quoted as saying, what we're seeing is that silica appears to have migrated from very old sedimentary bedrock and into younger overlying rocks quoted as saying also the goal of NASA's Curiosity rover mission has been to find out if Mars was ever habitable. And it has been very successful in showing that Gale Crater once held a lake with water that we would even have been able to drink, but we still don't know how long this habitable environment endured. What this finding tells us, he goes on to say, is that even when the lake eventually evaporated, substantial amounts of groundwater were present for much longer than we previously thought. Thus, again, expanding on his thought, the window for when life might have existed on Mars. They are not clear, however, how whether this groundwater could have sustained life. 
The halos were analyzed by the rover's science payload, including the laser shooting chemistry and camera, uh, cam cam instruments, which was developed at Los Alamos National Laboratory in conjunction with the French Space Agency. Curiosity has traveled more than 16 kilometers over 1,700 souls. Remember the Martian movie? Mars, which is Martian days, and has gone from the bottom of the Gale Crater partway up Mount Sharp in its center. Scientists are using all the data collected by ChemCam to put together a more complete picture of the geological history of Mars. The elevated silica and halos was found over approximately 20 to 30 meters in elevation near a rock layer of ancient lake sediments that had a high silica content. So if you want to find out more about this, obviously you go to NASA's website and they have all the information there. And you can just gorge to your heart's content. And uh, let me see. I know there was another one that I had on here. One moment, please. Oh, actually, um, I think from here, I, yeah, never mind. There we go. There we go. So um, getting from science to sort of kind of science fiction, um, we, you know, recently, um, where is it? Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay, so, you know, many of you uh, are very familiar with the whole story of Roswell, right? I mean, at least I hope you are. And, well, apparently there is a new development in this story, and I actually have some audio to play you from a witness of Roswell that is, well, at the time of the interview, still alive. Now, it's a never-before-seen interview. Former U.S. Deputy Sheriff Charlie Forges reported was that he was a witness at Roswell. Now, remember, in July 1947, Sheriff Jess Slaughter and Deputy Sheriff Charles Fogus were traveling together to pick up a prisoner when they heard on their police radio reports of a crashed aircraft, okay? The two men who were traveling to Roswell, New Mexico, decided to investigate and stumbled across the scene of one of the most famous UFO incidents in history. Now, the U.S. military has long claimed that this crash object was merely a weather balloon. It doesn't matter because conspiracy theorists have forever and ever since then believed that this site was actually the scene of at least one alien aircraft crash and, and the recovery of extraterrestrials. Now, little side note on this. In a previous, in a very old episode of The Graveyard Shift, we interviewed Nick Redfern. And he proposed that what actually happened was they worked, there was a crash, but it was Japanese uh, soldiers that were deformed. And they were the ones that were found. I know it's interesting, right? Look it up. Go to, look up Nick Redfern's books. It's one of the web, uh, I don't remember, I want to say Tragedy at Roswell or something like that. And uh, if I find out later, I'll I'll let you know, but I probably won't because it's only me. Um, But anyway, it's, there's a new book called UFOs Today, 70 Years of Lies, Misinformation, and Government Cover-Up. The law enforcement officer, Focus, revealed that he saw a downed flying saucer and military personnel removing a number of what he feels are alien bodies from the scene. And it's the first time his statement has been published. Now, in this interview that I'm about to play you, he says that he saw a flying saucer crash into the side of a ridge of riverbed, which was, quote, 100 feet across. Now, he described the scene as best as he could, and I'm telling you about this because when you hear the audio, it's kind of hard to hear him. I mean, he is pretty old, and he's an elderly gentleman, and, very, and he talks very low. So, you know, maybe turn up your volume a little bit, but I'll do the best I can in describing what he said. And basically what he said is, when we got there, 
The land was covered with soldiers. They were hauling a big, a, a creature. The bodies must have been five feet tall. Sorry about that. take. I saw the legs and feet on some of them. They looked like our feet. The skin was a brownish color, like they were in the sun too long. There were soldiers there, too, about three or four hundred of them. We've seen them haul them, the bodies, out of there, out of the canyon, up to the trucks, putting them on the tow truck so they could haul them. He goes on to say that after about 20 minutes, they were told to leave the scene, and then they continued on their journey to collect the prisoner. When he was asked what he thought of what he saw, he said, the great father didn't just make this planet, he made all of them. He put beings on this planet just like he put us on this one. They're smarter than we are. They can get from there to here, but we can't get from here to there. Now, um, basically, you know, they recorded the video. I think it was one of his um, uh, relatives, and they had a transcript sent out to various news agencies. I actually got a copy of one, which is one of you know why I read it to you. Anyway, so without further ado, here's the interview. Once again, you might want to. You know, turn up your your volume a little bit. It's a very short interview. Uh, it's only a few minutes long, but um, you know, see what you think of it. Here we go. Roswell witness interview with uh, Sheriff uh, Charlie Forgus. Here we go. Roswell UFO witness never before seen interview. Soldiers hauled a creature away. He had big eyes like the one on TV. The following clip is a clip of a never-before-seen interview. Former U.S. Deputy Sheriff Charlie Forgus says he was a witness to the UFO crash at Roswell in 1947. In July 1947, Sheriff Jess Slaughter and Deputy Sheriff Charles Forgus were traveling together to pick up a prisoner when they heard on their police radio reports of a crashed aircraft. The two men, who were traveling to Roswell, New Mexico, decided to investigate and stumbled across the scene of one of the most famous UFO incidents in history. While the U.S. military have long claimed the crashed object was merely a weather balloon, Conspiracy theorists believe the site was the scene of at least one alien aircraft crash and the recovery of extraterrestrials. In a new book, UFOs Today, 70 Years of Lies, Misinformation and Government Cover-Up, law enforcement officer Fogus reveals he saw a downed flying saucer and military personnel. Okay, obviously, guys, the rest of that is, you know, automated voice saying the same thing I just said, which, by the way, I want to thank... Um, the channel real life on YouTube for providing that video. Um, that is, you know, I want to give them credit. That is their video that they put together and I'm sure that they worked very hard 
on, on, on it and all that stuff. So you can find out more information. Just look it up. Charlie Ford gets the interview on Roswell. I did not realize we did not have that much time left, gang. So I'm just going to have to cut this short. And, and but it doesn't matter anyway because I'm, I'm still having issues over here. So, um, you know, come back next Saturday, same time, 8.30 p.m. on the Graveyard Shift. We'll be here. And uh, hopefully I'll have an actual date for our season finale episode. And uh, you can watch us. I don't know if I'll be able to do that live. I'm not sure about that. I will do, you know, more than likely what will happen is we'll be taping the interview with Tampa Theater and then air it. And then that's what will happen. So anyway, thank you for all of you that uh, listened tonight. And, um, you know, make sure to share this video with anybody that you know that's into this kind of stuff. And we will see you next week. Same Graveyard Shift time, same Graveyard Shift channel. And this is Emmy. On the Graveyard Shift, I'm punching out. Peace. You feel that universe? That satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed. Hashtag. Emmy Shift Show. To stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching out.